Welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. Today, Matt welcomes back another crossover guest. That is to say, a guest who made an appearance on our other series, the Crash Chords Podcast, in episode 77. That guest would be the rapper, writer, director, producer, and video editor hailing from New York City known as Hops. Given the opportunity for a second interview, Hops updates Crash Chords on his latest exploits. Having stepped away from rap temporarily to work on a dance record, Hops discusses his current job doing video editing for Fortune.com, as well as a short film he's directed called Take Me With You. Seeing as there's plenty afoot for the talented producer, the two also discuss the current state of the film industry and media's effects on modern day society. And so, without further ado, here's presenting Matt Storm and Hops. And welcome to another episode of Crash Chords Autographs. I am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon, and I am here with Hops. Thank you for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's, it's good to be here. It's been a while since I've seen you. Yeah. Uh, we, ha- we used to run into each other rap shows, and of course you were on the Crash Chords podcast. You brought us Machine Drum. I did. Which, as I recall, we had mixed feelings about, but we overall liked it. Yeah. I appreciate people like you and other guests who have brought bands that I've never fucking heard of, because for me it's like, Oh, this I didn't even know this existed, and right. then you kind of dig into that stuff and find more stuff. Um, so I'm happy to have you on my interview show. Um, of course, last time you were on, we chatted quite a bit about your music and uh, about your raps. Um, I think after you were on, Men Bionic came out that you did with Schaefer. Yeah, right? it was around the same, same time, time. I think. Yeah. Um, so I want to tell you how much I love that freaking song. <laughs> Thank um, you. How did how did that track come to be? The two of you to work on that. Um, we had, you know, we had been bumping into each other a lot at, you know, shows and stuff. And, you know, we had always just thought about doing something together. And, and I, and I think it was him that was like, let's do something, you know, finally, <laughs> you know, cause I, and, uh, and I was like, all right, great. And then we just came up with a concept and, um, we didn't record in the same space i mean like i had my own recording gear so i just did my verses i sent Mm -hmm. them to him he did his verses it happened pretty quickly um once we decided to actually like sit down and do it and uh who put the beat together i did the beat Mm -hmm. i did the beat and um and uh yeah you know actually i i hadn't listened to it in a long time because that was i did that song originally as like a jumping off point to maybe like a five or six song EP that I was working on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I actually did another song uh, to go on that. And, uh, you know, I eventually just, it's not that I stopped caring. It just yeah. like wasn't like coming out. Right. So what I, and what I noticed is, is that like since like 2005, which was probably like eight or nine years before this came out, I put out a lot of music but not anything like complete not like a full ep or a full album and so i eventually like i'd done remixes for other like bands and Mm -hmm. stuff like that and so i ended up just putting out a thing on soundcloud just Mm -hmm. like 12 free tracks uh that included mimbionic and some remixes and like these 
three really like obscure songs that I did kind of like in the mid 2000s and uh and I actually I listened back to it the other night and it was the first time I'd listened to Mim Bionic or really like any of that stuff in so long and it was a good it's it's nice to uh like listen back and like oh I wasn't that bad oh okay. <laughs> right because you're your harshest critic and so in your yeah. brain you're terrible well and when you make new songs sure. it's like it's like oh god I'm so done with this song yeah and, you know sure because um, you've been putting all those hours into putting it together and stuff right right the I would say that when you make music you, know, you get so sick of making it when you really understand like how good or fulfilling the song is is when you do it live. Sure. And Schaefer and I did that song a couple times live. Oh, nice. It was, like, super refreshing. Yeah. And, um, but, yeah. I, I enjoy that track. I enjoy the Autobots joke in the middle of it, where it's, like, Autobots transform and sit down. And it's just... It's it's goofy and it's silly. And I, I enjoy... Because you do a breadth of stuff and, like, of your music that I listen to, you have some serious, like, narrative stuff where you're telling a story. You're talking about some serious stuff, either about your friends or someone you know. And then... You also have really goofy songs that are kind of just meant to be silly. And having that kind of range, I think, is really awesome as an artist. If you take yourself too seriously all the time, I feel like that could get tiring. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, I've noticed over the last few years, because we've we've known each other pretty much since you came on the podcast, which I think is almost two years ago already I now. think it's maybe it's been a little while. more, yeah. yeah it's been a while. Like in that range, yeah. Um, but you've been doing more video editing. You recently started working within the last year or so uh, at uh, Fortune. Yeah, yeah. A couple of years ago, I started working for Fortune. And, yeah. and so, have you always had an interest in video editing and, and directing and that kind of stuff? And yeah, yeah. I mean, I went to film school, and, uh, you know, when I got out, I started doing, you know, I, I was sort of, like, I wanted to be a director and make big movies, but, you know, that's not something, you, you can't come out of film school and just be like... I'm a director. <laughs> right, of course. I'm going to make movies. Exactly. You know? Just like that. Like, it's the 1930s. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to see my name in the lights. Um, so I, I was like, well, like, what did I learn in school that I can sort of use as a, you know, marketable skill? And sure. I was like, well, editing, you yeah. know. And so I just, I told people I was an editor, and I didn't really care to edit. Like, I liked doing it in school because I was editing my own stuff, and it right. was fun to see it all come together. Um but I actually found that I really liked to edit, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, in a lot of ways, it's sort of, you know, it's 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 the second director in a lot of ways. Sure. You really determine, like, the rhythms of the piece, uh, regardless of what it is, whether it's a film or a TV episode or a short documentary or, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you're really able to tell the story um, once the director's kind of done doing his thing. I right. mean, he's still, you know, he or she still has their input, but, you know, and so I just, I found that I really liked it, and um, and I just started doing it a lot, and uh, went back and forth between doing that, and then I had a dry period where I waited tables for a while because oh, wow. I had to make money. Sure, of course. <laughs> money is kind of a necessity. And, uh, and then I started working full-time, as an editor and now as an editor and producer about six years ago. So it's been good. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now, besides working on on video content that I imagine can be found on fortune.com is the stuff that you do? fortune.com slash video is, you can see some of my edits there, uh, but really it's the whole team, you know? Oh, yeah. We do a lot of stuff. I produce stuff, uh, produce edits, produce shoots. Oh, cool. Um, Our team's about 10 people. Oh, nice. And uh, but yeah, you can you can see a lot of it there. 
And are you working on stuff outside of Fortune? I know, I, I recall a while back you were trying to get a project together to direct. Yes. I Yeah, I directed a film a couple years ago. And, uh, you know, I sent it through the festival circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, got accepted to about five festivals. Oh, cool. Smaller ones. Uh, did a couple screenings. Um, it was a great experience. I enjoyed the process more than I enjoyed the final product. Oh, yeah? Were you not just yeah. happy with how the film came out? Yeah, you know, it It. It was, it was, a, it was a big vision. Mm-hmm. And uh, in hindsight, I think I was too lazy to make a feature film. <laughs> and so I, I wrote a feature film into a 20-minute short, you know? Oh, and gotcha. it just felt felt really compact and mm-hmm. just like too many moving parts in a, in such a small space um, but that being said y- you know I'm proud of the product sure of course um, and when I watch it I can tell how much hard work in, went into it you know what's the name of the film uh, take me with you oh, take me with you that's right yeah, yeah. Um, and it's kind of like a genre bending film. It, like there's elements of drama and dark comedy and science fiction and um, just a lot of characters. Kind of wonky, mm-hmm. you know, in a lot of ways. Um, and you know, it didn't see a lot of festivals. And I think that's because of how kind of uh, genre bending it was. Right. Sure. Um, you know, and, and I was like, well, maybe I should be marketing more towards the sci-fi festivals. Sure. And, you know, that didn't really work. So right. maybe I, you know. Um, but the festival thing is such a crapshoot anyway. Yeah, that's you know, right. My, my advice to filmmakers is make your film and show it to people. Sure. You know. Just have screenings. Yeah, yeah. totally. Totally. Um, are you working on any other film projects at the moment? Yeah, I'm. I'm writing a screenplay right now, a feature that you know, is the antithesis of <laughs> what you take me before. with you. It's a lot less characters, a lot less main characters, a um, lot less locations. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and it's just a smoother story, you know, easier to follow. But, um, you know, I'm still taking risks. With sure, it. of course. Uh, and, you know, I've got a couple drafts into that. I really want to have, like, a read-through this summer oh, and cool. then work on it and then possibly produce it next summer. So nice. We'll see. Awesome. Yeah. And do you have a title for this film, or are you not ready to kind of give information on it yet? The working title is Sunblock. Okay. But that might change. Okay. Who knows? Cool. You know, we'll see. That's good. So, yeah, yeah, I remember seeing a lot of buzz about the project you had been working on and then kind of, after a while, not much, and... So I wanted to make... I was just curious what had happened with it and if it had done the, the, the festival circuit because I know you were trying to do that. And so it's good to know that you were able to at least do it a little bit and kind of get it out there at least a little. Yeah, you know, it's it's really hard because you work so hard on something mm-hmm. and then you put it out there and not only are you tired of the film, <laughs> similar to what we were talking about with, with music, music, sure, but... You just you don't know how people are going to respond to it, mm-hmm. and you get negative feedback, and you get positive feedback, and sometimes you get more negative than positive, and sometimes you get more positive than negative. Sure. But for me, it got to a point where I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do with the film, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, and so I stopped submitting it to festivals, 
and I made a website. I put it on the website, and now anybody who wants to go watch it can go watch it. All right. You know, and that's and that's that, and, and it exists. And, and so, what's the website for that? Uh, TakeMeFilm.com. Cool. I'd, so. I'd love to direct the listeners to check it out. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not a filmmaker or a musician by any stretch, but I can relate when making content. Like, I've done really big interviews with people who I think are a big deal, and then I put it out and crickets. Oh yeah. And it's like. Well, did they? What's, I think what's worse about silence and no reaction is you don't know if they liked it or hated it. Right. Like, I often find myself yelling at my friends. Because I wouldn't yell at the actual listeners, people I don't know who have just tuned in. Because they don't want to comment. They don't want to respond. I totally get that. I don't respond to everything I check out on the internet. But my friends who listen, I yell at them all the time. It's like, tell me what you think. I, I Like, I need something. And it's like, you know, I think when you're putting out content you want some kind of feedback and that's why even when we get hate mail which hasn't been a lot but we've gotten a few comments on on crash cords on the website people just crapping all over our review because they thought we were stupid we had this we did the avid brothers years and years ago mm. which were like a country folk pop sure. group and some guy who sounded like a bumble, bible thumping hick i'm just guessing by the terms he used mm-hmm. um the f- out of the gate insulted our sexuality told us we you know <laughs> like all caps homophobic like it was the gauntlet of what you expect from a terrible comment right and i was upset for about a half hour and then i realized wait this is a rite of passage and also this guy's an idiot like yeah. why am i upset and so i started bragging about it and showing it to people like look we got our first awful comment because <laughs> you can't take that stuff to heart but but if you don't get any reaction it's like you it's hard to know what you're doing sometimes yeah did you ever f- experience that with your music at all um when i was younger i yeah. did you know because i i started um i started rapping when i was 11 or 12. Wow. And then I started... What does an 11-year-old rap about? Uh, things that an 11-year-old knows nothing about. <laughs> That's what I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I was... Uh, I, I, I was... I went to a school that... I don't know. It, it was it was an inner-city school. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was, I was bullied. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really kind of a means to just fit in right. with with that crowd. Sure. Um, and so, you know, I'd rap, God, I wrote a rap about robbing a liquor store when I was 11 <laughs> which, years old. Which you've never done. No, right. I would never do that. <laughs> right, but you, you know? wrote a song about it. Right. Um, and then that stuff started to, you know, it started to transform and I, and I you know, eventually found a voice. Um, but... When I was about 15 or 16, which is when I started putting stuff out on the internet, mm-hmm. you know, on uh, mp3.com. Right. Like you know, back this. when that was the, yeah. all the rage. Or uh, SoundClick uh, <laughs> was another good one. I was really trying to, like, you know, make a name for myself in sure. the Houston hip-hop scene. And, uh, you know, a lot. And, you know, there were forums. There were, like, sure. you know, music forums and stuff like that. And i post my music and... People be like, you know, who is this fucking kid and all this stuff. And, um, man, when you're 15 or 16 and you see that posted. Yeah. And the worst part of it was that it was people I knew were popular on yeah. the scene. Sure. Like saying terrible things about my music. And so that so, must and be really hard like, to take. Oh, yeah, my heartbreaking. God. You know, it yeah. was so bad. Um, and, you know, that that changed and stuff. But that's... It, it, 
I don't really care because like I was 15, 16 years old and I was putting music out. Right, sure. Which like, is a thing that like even five years earlier you couldn't have done on no, the internet. Like no. not on dial-up for sure. Right. It was funny. I was with a friend recently who had the dial-up sound as like a phone message like notification sound. And I went off and we laughed. And then I was like, you know, if you hung out with anyone younger than us, they're not gonna like they're not gonna know what that is they've never heard the dial-up sound before they don't know what it is yeah like it's funny i know that you're a little bit of a gamer so transitioning slowly slowly from from internet like i I remember when i played my first mmo on my pc my compact presario back in the late 90s i was trying to play city of heroes on (laughs) dial-up it was like waiting for the dial-up to kick in and i could only play late at night because if i tried to play during the day my mother would yell at me she needed the phone because back then you you needed separate lines, otherwise it took over the phone line. It's like, um, but I, I've been seeing on your Facebook, you've been posting about the new re-release of Doom. Oh, yeah. That you've been playing. Oh, so yeah. are you an old school gamer? Have you been gaming for a while? Yeah, I have. Um, I was really into gaming when I was a kid. Um, and, you know, you have a lot of time to game sure, when you're a course. kid. Sure, of course. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I I just played the new Doom. and Is it a remake of the original? Well... I did some research when I, I finished it. I beat yeah. it like two days ago. And I sort of did some research into like how the game got made and um, you know, who who was the team that put it together. Sure. And, you know, a lot of it is still like the old ID team. Oh cool. Minus like a couple people who, who left. Um but it I, so I was rec- it's just it's funny you bring up the, the like fifty six K thing because they talk about the multiplayer and like the multiplayer versus the multiplayer from the original. Of course. Doom. Yeah. Which was and like, I was like, how did they do that? Right. Yeah. How did Deathmatch exist back then? Yeah. Like the, and like, what's the other one um, that, uh, that Valve made? Uh, oh gosh. Counter-Strike. Yeah. Oh, like, I remember that was like sort of like it. right when like DSL and stuff was creeping in. So like it yeah. was a, it was a bit more accessible. Yeah. Um, but, um, uh, what was your question? Oh, I just <laughs> you was, asked me about. I had Doom. asked if it was a remake or not. Oh, right. So, right. So I re- and it's not. It's it is a remake. Is what I've come yeah. to conclude. Because like you only have so many places where you can read this stuff, right? Sure. And so of like I'm collecting from like Wikipedia, and some say that. Also, the first one didn't really have that much of a story. No. So it'd be pretty easy to say this one is a remake of the original because if they put any narrative, but you're still you know on Mars and you're still fighting demons from hell. Yeah. It's the same game. That's it's it's the same game. The Doom guy has always been Doom guy. Yeah, he's always he's never been had a name. nameless. You yeah. know, um, and I was reading, and I and I I always forget about Doom Three, which came out oh, for yeah. Xbox. I always remember Doom One and Two because I played them on the PlayStation. Yeah, I played them all the time. Yes. Like those those games, I played constantly. It's when I first got into shooters. Were like Doom and Goldeneye were like the ones. Yeah, yeah. And like, but yeah, I forgot that they made a third Doom for yeah. the Xbox. Well, and it was, and they sort of changed the format. It was mm-hmm. more of a horror game, right. like kind of slow paced. I mean, it was still super violent, sure. and, you know. But that was apparently a prequel to the first one. But the story wow. is still like, like there's no story in the first one. So there's barely. You, yeah. There's actually more of a story in the third one than there are in the first two. Like oh, you really? actually encounter other people, oh. and like you gain intelligence from like, you know, videos and stuff like that. Uh, but this new one is a, it's it's a remake. Yeah, it's, it's just it's a, or a reboot, I yeah, suppose you yeah. could call it. It's a nameless marine who wakes up on Mars, finds out that hell has taken over Mars, that there's a portal to hell, you know, and all this stuff. 
Um, and like I, but I don't give a shit. I don't think anybody gave a shit about the story in Doom Three Two right. or the original. Sure, you know. Um, and it's it's such a breath of fresh air because it's so much fun. Sure, the new one yeah. is so much fun. It's bloody. It's hard. Yeah, like I can't remember the last time I played a hard first person shooter. Sure, yeah, with a linear narrative right you know like destiny you're sort of you're kind of all over the place and yeah. the difficulty depends on well that also depends you know. on like what level you are exactly. and what missions you're doing exactly. if you're in the expansion if you're doing right. the pvp yeah right. totally but the the level up stuff in in doom the new doom is really good because you can go back if you feel like you're not up to you know the the current level that you're on if you feel like oh this is too hard yeah you know, you can pick your missions. It'll tell you what you've missed. So it'll oh. tell you all the power-ups that you've missed, all the armory drones that you can get, weapon upgrades that you missed. So you can oh, go cool. back, you can upgrade, and then, you know, go back. Oh, that's neat. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's great. I totally, totally recommend it. All I mean, right. I, it's I'll total to nostalgia, it too. I'm sure. Like, that's 50% of it. Are you playing it on the Xbox One? Xbox One. Okay, yeah. I'm a PS4 gamer. Oh, okay. Um, I, I have a 360, and I was thinking about getting the Xbox One, but then uh, me and my wife were at her best friend's house, and her best friend, who helped plan our wedding, she owned a PS4. And so my wife... She's getting into gaming now, but when we first met, she only knew it through me peripherally. She wasn't really a gamer. Like, she'd played old-school video games, but nothing in this next-gen cycle. Right, and, right, right. Like, pretty much nothing since Nintendo, more or right. less. And so yeah. well, she, I was showing her the interface, and she liked it. And so then uh, my friend Beth, who's my wife's best friend, goes, you know, you could probably register for PS4. Like, if you put it on your registry, someone might get it for you. And I was like, that's a good idea. It's <laughs> a she, great idea. And she and, and my wife agreed, and we registered for it. And so I got a PS4. We got a PS4 as a wedding present. Yeah. Um, which the best part was then the we took a couple days off after our wedding. And pretty much the next day when we woke up in the hotel where we were staying upstate, I was like, you know, there's a GameStop like 20 miles. We could just go pick up the PS4. Could go look around. We could shop. She's like, okay. And it ended up being a fun thing we could do together. And, and since then, she's gotten really into... All of the narrative games that are on PlayStation 4, like um, we played Beyond Two Souls, which uh, Ellen Page did the voice mm-hmm. and motion capture for, and it was all, like it's all it's one of those games like um, Heavy Rain where it's narrative and quick time events. But she really loved the story. Yeah. There was another one called um, uh, They've all, We've All Gone to the Rapture, which is like you're in an empty town walking around trying to figure out where everyone went. And you're reliving like these moments in time. It's it's really bizarre, but really cool. Yeah. And so uh, after she got obsessed with watching me play certain narrative games, she tried her hand at Fallout 4, which I have for the PS4. And I didn't love Fallout 4 because I like New Vegas better, but she liked. Do you remember the mobile game they released for the iPhone for Fallout Fallout Shelter, where you could like raise like protect people? Like you had you controlled your own <laughs> vault, like in yeah. the Fallout games. And she loved that, and you can do that in the new Fallout as well as play the game right and so she became obsessed with it so now it comes it's gotten to the point where i'll come home at night and she'll be sitting going hi and then just playing oh Fallout. yeah and it's fine totally but, into it. and, I, and i'm okay with it because yeah. it's nice to see her find something that really grabbed her on the console because i for a while i felt like it's her tv device but for me i actually play games yeah yeah, so, yeah, yeah. um but i'd been seeing your post about doom and i i love the old ones and so I've considered per- picking it up. It's nice to hear that it, it, it's it's a it's a fun game. It's great. It's great. The multiplayer. I I'm, I usually save multiplayer for 
when I'm done with the campaign. Sure. You know, because I don't want to get distracted. Right, of course. Uh, but I did play it a couple times while I was doing the campaign. And it's funny because all of the, like, health and armor items and, like, weapons items are, like, available in the maps. So uh. it's similar to, like, how the old Deathmatch was. So if you're, like, hurting and you see a health pack, you can pick it up. and oh, like cool. you, Yeah, so it's not, That's like, um, two and through or anything like that. But, um... Yeah, it's good. I I played that. I played uh, I played Battlefront for a while. I see. I got that. I, it, there's no campaign. It's yeah, just multiplayer. I yeah. picked it up because Schaefer and Nelson Lugo both play it obsessively. Yeah. Or they did. Now that Schaefer's busy, of course he's never on. Right. But um, <laughs> I picked it up because it was on sale for like twenty bucks, and I was like, all right, I'll I'll get it, even if it's just multiplayer for twenty bucks, it's worth it. Yeah. And uh, of course I get it, and all of my friends who I always saw playing it now never play it. Yeah. And it's like, well, it's and it's not the, because it's a bad game. It's, it's just, just there's nothing else to it's do. It's limited. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think they just put out uh, an expansion pack, Bespin, I think. Okay. Um, but is it just more multiplayer stuff? It's more multiplayer. It's I mean, there's more guns and more, mi- you know, not yeah. more missions, but like uh, when they released Outer Rim, like yeah. you could do bounty missions for Job of the Hut, and uh-huh. you, would, you know, you'd unlock guns and stuff, which was cool, but that's not enough to keep yeah. it going. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I play Battlefield now when I know I have to be somewhere, but I don't have a lot of time. I'll yeah. just play, like, a couple rounds. Sure. And, which that, is, you know. A lot of online shooters, like, that's what they are. Like, I yeah. got Destiny way after everybody else did, and I, I really liked it. For a shooter that's kind of shaped like an MMO, I thought it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. But once I hit the level cap, and there was either just PvP or grinding missions for gear, I was like, I don't... I don't want to do that. Yeah. Like, I want more story. You can blow through the story pretty quick. Yeah. I'm at a point now where, like, online gaming has taken such a back seat because with a day job and other things, you know, I DJ a lot now and, you yeah. know, the podcast, it's like, who has time to spend more than an hour or two playing a game? And if I'm going to do that, I'd rather play an in-depth story game and get really sucked in than, like, dick around online in an online match, you yeah. know? Yeah. Especially since I have so many games I haven't finished. Like, right now, I'm trying to push my way through Witcher 3. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've played it, but... Uh, no. Uh, if you're a fan of, like, Skyrim and those kinds of games, it's it's like Skyrim, except it's got a tighter story, a better narrative, and you're a character who exists in the world. Like, you don't create a character. You're just this guy, Geralt, who exists in this world who's been through these three games. And it's a really fascinating story and world, and I'm really liking it. Yeah. Like, it's not so open world that I turn it on and I go, well, I've got 30 quests and I don't know what to do. I'm going to turn it off. <laughs> yeah, it's like so overwhelming. Uh, yeah, so that, see, I feel like Destiny is like that sometimes. Yes. Like, if you're behind, it's mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, I have so much to do. Yeah, like, like you have I to call do? your friends, be like, help me get through these, you know, missions because yeah. I got I to gotta level up. But, yeah, my friend uh, Ziggy plays Witcher 3 and he he loves it. It's, um, it's, he says it's incredible. Just, it's just so much fun in the story and the writing is really good. Yeah. It's one of those things where there are, there are narrative-driven games where the writing is... To bring this back around to, to directing and, and film and stuff, sure. like, so many games now feel like movies. Yeah. Like, I used to hate watching my friends play games. Like, I want to play. I don't want to watch you play. But, yeah. but I feel like at a, I'm at a point now where if it's a game that either I'm not good at or that I don't really necessarily want to put in the work to, 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 to get past the difficult parts, but I want to see the story, I would sit and watch a game. I have friends who have watched their significant other just play through the Uncharted games because it's like watching sure. a movie. Sure. And so that's really interesting to me. Do you have any desire to, like, break into that kind of industry for writing for that? Is that a thing that you can kind of transition to or, or pivot towards? Yeah, I mean, you know, I want to say that film directors have gotten into that mm-hmm. um, 
that business. And I, you know, it's funny because we complain, well, I complain, about <laughs> how video games are so expensive. Sure. But the value is there. Yeah. And, like, I, I really feel like, like, okay, so I saw Independence Day 2 yesterday. I haven't seen it yet. How um, was it? It's... It's okay. Well, you know, I'll take okay after all this time. Um, there's a lot of shit, and then there's <laughs> sure. some good parts, yeah. you know. But if I hadn't watched the first one right before it, uh-huh. I probably would have hated it. Oh, really? You know, because I, re- I felt like I got a good base. I know the characters. I know what I'm getting into. Right. Because this film has no breathing room. Okay? Oh, really? Like, the first 20 minutes, maybe, they spin on character development, and then it's just... Balls to the wall, just stuff alien after stuff. stuff after stuff. Yeah, yeah. it it's sort of suffers from like the Transformers yeah. syndrome, where it's like so much beautiful stuff, but none of it really gels. Yeah. Anyways, I won't give you, to, but you know, I paid twenty bucks to see that in yeah. RPX. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, you know, the the reviews, not only from critics but from audiences for. Hollywood blockbusters have generally declined, mm-hmm. and in video games they've generally gone up. Right. Well, well yeah, because you got to think about the the time you're spending with these characters in both these medium, and even though you're spending sixty dollars on a game, you're getting thirty to forty hours of gameplay. Absolutely. I mean, on the low end, you get fifteen to twenty hours, which right. is still a lot. I mean, right. unless you're you know a twelve year old and you, all you do is play video games, then of course you'll blow through that in a couple days. Right. But like. When I got the newest Batman for PS4, uh, Arkham Knight, mm-hmm. and I love that series, like it took me months to finish all of it because I was taking my time and I had the DLC and mm-hmm. like you you feel so steeped in that world and then you go and see Batman vs Superman and I go, this will never be as good as a Batman video game now that yeah. they've gotten it right because you're you're so steeped in that world and here it, with that it's like, I mean you, the characters don't gel, the the, the writing doesn't gel, like yeah. it's just. Did you see the new Batman vs Superman? I did, I did. I liked Ben Affleck as Batman. Yeah, and I Bruce did Wayne. I thought he did a good job, and I actually liked Jesse Eisenberg's Luther because I thought it was different. Like he couldn't do what had been done before, yeah. so he did something different, and it felt modern for the time they were shooting in. You know, it, his the writing for everyone was terrible. So like, you can only do so much. But I feel like, like the news I've heard that like Ben Affleck is going to write and direct the Batman solo movie. Sure. I'm excited about sure. that, but I thought that I thought that movie was not good. It 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 was sort of like two movies that crashed into each other. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I actually didn't hate it. I I thought that a lot of the reviews were unfair. Sure. Um, I mean, it definitely wasn't the worst movie I've ever seen. No, but no. but like I think I might still hate Man of Steel more. Yeah, you know, I was trying to think about my initial response to Man of Steel. Man of Steel, I thought, was going to be a lot worse. Yeah. And I thought that, aside from being a little uneven, like in the pacing, I thought it was okay. Yeah. I I thought that it was a mistake to try and do what Nolan did. Yeah. You know? um, Well, I think that was a big problem, is Superman's supposed to be this bright, shining star. Right. Like, making putting him in dark movies doesn't make sense. Right. Like, that's why I loved Superman Returns. I thought, tonally, that movie was great. Well, and also, Kevin Spacey and Brandon Routh both did a great job with what they had. Like, I loved Kevin Spacey's Luther. Yeah. And I thought Brandon... Like, my problem with Brandon Routh, who's a good actor and who I like in 
almost anything else he's ever done. His problem was he was trying to be Christopher Reeve because it's based on that, like it's continuing that yeah. story. And I think that was direction. Yeah. And I don't think that was him. I yeah. Think that was, and that, yeah. I think, was the problem. They should have let him be his Superman. Yeah. You can still continue the story, but I feel like he was hamstrung by making him be Christopher Reeve. Yeah, yeah. It was That was a strange experience. Like, yeah. I liked the film, but... Because it was a direct sequel, yeah. it just felt weird. Yeah. You know, it, it was, felt so weird, especially without yeah. Christopher Reeve in it. Who, yeah. I mean, when you go back and watch that first Superman movie, it still holds up. It's yeah. unbelievable. Like watching those scenes where he's clearly flying on strings, you still like with the music. You I, like you just still get wrapped up in it. Well, yeah, like, I mean, yeah, they because they when they didn't have everything we have today, they had to depend on a little thing called story. <laughs> yeah, sure. And you know. Classic. Are you saying that all the comic book movies now suffer from? No, I'm <laughs> no, not no, because no. a lot of them, a lot of them do do it right. Mar- Marvel, for the most part, I think does it right. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Like every every Marvel film I like, except for Thor two, <laughs> it's like the only one I don't like. But like, it's still not bad. Right. Well, that, that's what I've always said. Even the, the Marvel movies that aren't the best, I still think are okay. Like, yeah. Nothing. I've never walked out of a Marvel go- movie going, I hated this. Yeah. I've walked out of some of them questioning them. Like Avengers two, I was like, some of the choices they made with Black Widow and like making her this victim and then like having her kidnapped it just it was like the the way the stories branch was bizarre but then they made civil war which was like felt like avengers too like with all those characters and all of that narrative that worked so well together like i honestly thought for a long time leading up to civil war that it was just going to be a token movie where they throw a million characters in and it didn't feel like that. No. Like everyone got their time. Like Black Panther was developed so beautifully yeah, in that yeah, movie. Yeah. And then I love the new Spider-Man. I think that kid's gonna be a great Spider-Man. It even gives me some faith for the new Sony Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Because I know Marvel's got their hands Sony in it. Sony slash Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. But um, but I agree. I think the Mar- Marvel is doing it right. Well, I think they figured out. Like if you notice, around the time of Captain America one, they were like, oh, we can do genre films that happen to have superheroes in it. Mm-hmm. Like Captain America two was a, a like. An espionage film, Guardians of the Galaxy was just a blockbuster sci-fi film. Like they just started taking actual film genres, so you don't have to start because for a long time it's just like, oh, it's a superhero movie, but yeah. that's not the genre. It shouldn't have to be. Right? It should be action movie or or sci-fi or thriller. And yeah. they're starting to do that, and I think that's why they're still so successful. Yeah. Well, and what I th- yeah, and I I think that Marvel is really good at using formula appropriately yeah. right like they don't take risks with the formula they take risks with their directors and the yeah. way the dialogue is written and and stuff like that because structurally all those films are so sound yeah and if you have a well-structured film that's 50 percent right yeah. there all right so we've got a well-structured film so let's you know, the script is great. Let's hire a great director and yeah. some great actors to fill in the pieces. And it's probably going to be good. And yeah. as long as you're marketing something that you are absolutely 100% going to give to your audience, you're yeah. going to be okay. Yeah. You know? I think that's also the problem, the fault of, like, Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman is they're advertising these movies to be something they're kind of not. Like, yeah. like Man of Steel was a, super, was a Superman origin story, but, like... They changed so much of it, and they made it dark, and they made him... I don't even care that they made him kill somebody. Spoiler alert, this movie's, like, four years old. He, <laughs> Superman kills Zod. I, I don't... I just don't... You know, it's just... A lot of those big moments don't make sense. Like, there was no reason for him to kill Zod. 
yeah. in that scene other than to make him do something he didn't want to do to kind of have the narrative. Like, it just it seemed like a weird formula. Like, even in Batman vs. Superman, why was Doomsday in that movie? Yeah. Why? There was no reason other than to have a cool giant creature that blew stuff up. Like, yeah. I mean, I think, like, theoretically, and, and you know, when I... When I watched the trailer, I was like, all right, Doomsday is going to be, like, the common... Yeah. You know, it's going to be the thing that bonds them. Yeah. Right? And then, of course it is. And, you know, so they all fight. And, you know, what... It's... I feel like DC is just... Or not DC, but the studios that are pumping these movies out. Yeah. um, The Superman movies. And uh, I, I feel like they feel like they need to be the bad boy of, yeah. of, of superhero right? films. And they don't need to do no, that. Oh, yeah. If they just give people... If they just try and make a good movie that's well-written, that exists in its own skin, it yeah. doesn't have to be dark. Like, also, I hated Superman and Batman in that movie. Like, there's yeah. no reason to like either of those characters. Yeah. The only person I liked was Wonder Woman because she didn't really say anything yeah and she was the only person who seemed like she was having a good time like that fight scene at the end where she's smiling and kicking ass it's like yeah you can root for her i thought they handled her pretty well yeah actually. Me it didn't too. feel superfluous it no. actually felt like oh thank god yeah what felt superfluous <laughs> is her finding the video footage of the other metahumans oh uh, the forced exposition oh, yeah god. and, and what was a bummer is like the thing they did with cyborg was really cool like i liked that one scene but it had no place being there and then the, with the flash and aquaman though it was like what why yeah like it, it didn't make any like you you put jason momoa in a in a tank he's threw his his trident around a little bit and then he, yeah like i just so it not, just yeah. seemed pointless they didn't need that no. you know these characters are so old yeah. and they are so familiar to people to fans. know them people know them yeah. justice league can start with that you know like yeah, they, yeah. we didn't need that in that film no you know well, yeah, it's um, just like we're going to get another origin story probably in Spider-Man Homecoming when it comes out next year. Mm-hmm. We, everyone knows Spider-Man's origin story. We don't need it. Yeah. You can refer to any other film to get it. Right. Start us with him being the hero already, you know? Yeah. yeah. But they're not going to do that, I'm sure. It's no. like so with Batman vs. Superman. They, they, they change his origin story and they tell it again. And it's like, yeah, Why? Yeah. Everyone knows what, like, probably Batman and Spider-Man are the two most well-known origin stories, yeah. you know? Dead parents, dead uncle. Like, yeah. people know how that goes, but yeah. they feel the need to retell it and then also change it. And there's no reason to change it. Like, no. if, you, if you're going to tell that same story, don't make his father kind of try and defend his family. Like, the idea is that they were attacked when they didn't want to fight, but making the father the aggressor is like... Well, that goes against everything Thomas Wayne stands for and everything ever. Yeah. And, like, I don't I don't mind when shows like Gotham change the story to kind of have fun with the characters. But when you change the fundamentals of what the building blocks are of a narrative yeah. like that, I just, I, like, I try not to get comic book nerdy at this stuff. But, but with that specific one, it's like you're changing the dynamic of Batman completely. Like, no yeah. wonder he's an asshole because his father was an asshole. Like, right, 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 right. You know? Yeah, well, and, and Superman, I mean... It's it's almost like, it's like they're saying fuck off to the comics. Yeah, and they're taking the character which they know will make a lot of money, and they're like, no, but this is what we're gonna do with him. It's like you don't have the right to do that. With yeah, him. you know, like it's he's fine. Like yeah. people like Superman because of what he is. Yeah, you don't have to change that. Yeah, you know, and. He was a prick in the new movie, you know, like a total prick. Yeah, and it just it was doesn't so make sense. Cynical. Yeah, <laughs> just the like, whole thing. It just yeah. doesn't make sense. It's hard to root for those characters. Like yeah. at one point, 
I'm almost rooting for for Jesse Eisenberg's Luther because at least he's fun and yeah. weird and crazy. It's yeah. like give me anything. Right. You know, I just yeah, I don't know. It it seemed so strange and I, you know, I made myself go see it because it's one of those things where like I like seeing these movies. It's like I've seen all the Transformers movies. Yeah. Same. I saw the first Ninja Turtles movie, although that I saw on DVD and you know, I I only want to see the new one because Casey Jones is in it and yeah. Steve Amell is playing him and I like Arrow, so I want to yeah. see him play Casey Jones, but I don't want to spend the money on it. And it's yeah. just like Michael Bay is ruining our childhood. <laughs> And you know what's funny is the first Transformers movie, I openly admit I loved. I thought pound for pound it was a great movie, mostly just because it was the nostalgia factor. Mm-hmm. And Peter Cullen doing the voice of Optimus. Yeah, like yeah, hearing yeah. that voice, it's like you're a kid again. Yeah. But then every piece of garbage they put out after. And he keeps he keeps trying to make the human stories in depth. But that's not what the Transformers are about. The Transformers are about the Transformers, Transformers yeah. not the human perspective right. on the Transformers. They always had human friends who were like the heart of the team. Yeah. But they weren't the narrative drive. Yeah. Optimus was, yeah. you know, and and they don't. And Michael Bay doesn't get that. Well, and that's why you know, like in the in the old film, yeah. with Orson Welles. And, oh, I mean, the eighties like, movie, yeah, 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 the cartoon. That's why. I mean, there were stakes in that movie. Yeah, like when in the new ones, when the Transformers are, you know, at risk, yeah. or I don't care yeah. because we're not focused on them. We're yeah. focused on their human counterparts that are boring right and so like i don't have anything in stake in these giant cgi robots yeah yeah but and you know but like you said you know it was about the transformers back in the day and so like you cared about them because your attention was focused on them yeah that 80s movie still has one of the only scenes probably besides iron giant the ending of iron giant but the scene in in the beginning of the transformers 80s movie when optimus dies i cry every time yeah it doesn't matter how old i am because it's sad <laughs> right it's so sad you know and it's like they knew how to drive the narrative and, and drive that story and it ends up being a brilliant movie as a result of it yeah but yeah i, I would love for them to do a remake of that movie live action but actually do it like yeah. if without michael bay just do it with the special effects we have now it would be Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, imagine Unicron, like, is this giant <laughs> real life planet, pretty much. Like, but Matt, we don't need any more remakes. No, that's true. <laughs> that's the thing that my wife complains about frequently is she's tired of seeing things that were somewhere else. Yeah. Like, I saw the trailer for the new Assassin's Creed movie with Michael Fassbender. Mm-hmm. I think it looks pretty cool. Yeah, sure. And the Assassin's Creed movies, the Assassin's Creed games, rather, are so cut and paste. That if they diverge from it in the movie, I don't. Well, care. I like that Ubisoft made the film. Yeah, you know, I think that's yeah. or that they're involved. I yeah, mean, I think that's really important. You know, but so I'm excited to see that, and I want to see Warcraft, which I haven't seen yet because I love that story. Yeah. And, but my my wife's just like, can we see something that didn't exist before? Yeah, like, can we go see that like something original? And she's right. Like the the market is so flooded with either remakes or reboots or things that were in another medium, and it's like there are. I can't think of a really great blockbuster like summer blockbuster that was an original movie i think the last one i can think of was inception which was an original narrative that like was really hyped and really exciting and really great to see yeah yeah i mean like i I, struggle i shouldn't have to sit here thinking about it right exactly because in 1982 people were like go see et yeah you know what i mean and it was just like it was like that's what it was yeah yeah. you know and there it's does yeah, that discourage oh, you as wanting to be a director and a writer? Like, does that just make you want to work harder to write something original and get something original out there because there's a lack of that now? Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's scary because it's it's 
I actually love genre films. Sure. Like action, science fiction, like that's that's my thing. But I'm scared to go in in that direction mm-hmm. because of the sort of temperature that all that is in right now. Yeah. Um but I don't I don't know. I mean I think it's worth it because <laughs> if, if you can if you can make a kick ass science fiction film with an yeah. original narrative yeah. or a kick ass action film or thriller. Yeah. You know, I mean oh, I've just thought of another one. Pacific Rim. Oh, yeah. Was an original IP. I mean, sort of. Like, yeah, you know, it's like it, hints of Godzilla, hints well, of Evangelion, a, you know. <laughs> but it was still its own story. But yeah, yeah like yeah, that's yeah. the last one I could think of. And the last time I went to a movie and went, I don't care how, like, the movie is, as itself was kind of okay, but I just had so much fun. It was just a dumb, fun movie. Yeah. You know, and there aren't enough of those either. Like, movies either take themselves too seriously, like the new X-Men or Batman, or they don't take themselves seriously enough. Yeah. Like, we need more Deadpool comic book movies, I feel like. Yeah. Ones that are just there to have fun, be silly, and reference the old, like, the, the previous material. Like, yeah. They're trying to raise the stakes too much. I think that's what the X Men movies and Batman or Superman suffer from. It's like the stakes have to be so high. Yeah. Do they really? These guys are in spandex. Like how 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 high do the stakes have to be? Well, and and it's also kind of it. It feels. I don't want to presume anything about the way Hollywood works. Sure, right. But it feels like they're just lazy because the (laughs) stakes that they're giving are all like superficial stakes. It's never anything that that's internal. Yeah. Or emotional stakes. Sure. You know what I mean? Um, Well, I mean, yeah, also Hollywood probably trusts more in stuff that's come before. Like, I imagine if you're a writer or a director and you're trying to push to an exec, you want to go, well, this this is like this movie because that movie did really well. So this movie will do really well, which I get, but, you know. It it boggles my mind. It... they spend so much money yeah. on these movies, yeah. right? The the budgets are 200, 250 million dollars yeah. now. Like it's out of control and they can't make them right. Yeah. But you know, if you go back and watch the way movies used to be made, you yeah. can learn so much yeah. about the way films should be made today. Yeah. You know, and I just don't know why this is happening. Yeah. It's 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 as if they're assuming that their audiences don't give a shit about good movies and character yeah. development yeah, yeah. And, and the way things are written. It boggles my mind. No, yeah. I, I get the same sense of that. Okay, to bring this back to music, because you must have heard this song, and we just... So, this is actually going to air after Crash... Uh, the Crash Chords Podcast's 200th episode. Cool. And um, for every 50 episodes for our anniversary, we try and do something different. So this time we took the uh, Billboard Hot 100 and did the top 10 and reviewed them song by song like we would do an album. Yeah. And one of the songs on the Hot 100 is this song, Panda. Panda. Have you not heard Panda? I... So it's by a <sighs> rapper named Designer. And it's <laughs> the worst song I've ever heard. <clears throat> it's okay. a terrible rap song. Awful. And listening to it, all I could do is have the same reaction you're having now about music, movies. Is like, how could something this bad exist? And how could it... It was number two yeah. in the Hot 100. The second most highest selling single yeah. in this country. And it drives me bonkers that like... It drives me bonkers that songs like that get to the top. And then musicians like you and Schaefer and Megaran and these rappers who I know who have heart and write great music and who are, you know, these independent artists... You know, who don't get the same visibility, and I don't understand why. I mean, it turns out this guy, designer, is partnered with Kanye. So yeah. that's why, probably. 
it it's, but it's frustrating. It is frustrating, and I I think that it has a lot to do with what the kids are listening to. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay? Right. Yeah. You know, so like an 11, 12 year old kid um, might not be as interested in uh, you know so, something a little more mature, sophisticated, yeah. mature. You know, music changes with nuances. Yeah. You know, every year something gets you know something's a little different. Every yeah. month, every week. Something gets a little bit different in the formula, yeah. and eventually the music just comes out sounding different. Yeah, right. Um, there are kids out there who, and I've actually kind of warmed up to the Beebs. I think his new stuff's not bad, but it's uh, not actually terrible. Like <laughs> his early terrible. albums were awful, but right. I heard the, the whatever that new single he has, the dance song. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I think it's called. Right, it's not bad. Like right. as far as the dance song goes, like I dance to it. Sure, which sure. is what it's for. Right, exactly. But kids. Love Bieber. Yeah. Right? And, and and it's not that, like, everybody else loves it, so I'm loving. They love it. Yeah. They went out, and they bought that record, yeah. and they can't stop listening to it. Yeah. And I was the same way with Ace of Base. Sure. So was and I. And Crystal Waters. Real and McCoy. All the, Real McCoy. All that crap. Yeah. You know? That our brother, our older brothers and sisters and parents, like, what the fuck are you listening to? Yeah, exactly. What is this? Yeah, it, yeah, I was I was listening to what my dad listened to until I could kind of sneak into my brother's CD collection. I remember when Dookie first came out, sure. my brother had it and I didn't have it, but I heard uh, Basket Case on the radio. And I was like, what is this? Because yeah. I'd been listening to mostly Motown and pop through my dad most of my life, and I was like. Seth, have you heard of this song, Basket Like, oh yeah, I have the album. Seth's my brother. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Seth. Mm-hmm. Um, who doesn't listen? Um, and I was like, oh, can I borrow your, your Green Day record? He's like, sure. And then I held on to it for like four years. Like yeah. He went to listen to it a long time later and was looking for it. He's like, Matt, do you still have that CD? I was like, yeah. He's like, give it to me. It's yeah. mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, back when, so kids, CDs were these things that music <laughs> came on. I do this on the podcast all the time. Whenever, the other podcast, whenever we're talking about anything that's more than five years old, I, sure. I go into old man Matt because I feel like nobody, like who remembers VH1 or CDs or cassettes? Like, Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. mini but, disc. Mini disc. But, but, but to your point that you're bringing up, like, I had tons of those CDs too. You know, I had LaBouche. I had like all of those crappy dance dance acts because oh, yeah. it was great to listen to totally um, because it was just fun right um, but there's still stuff outside of that that I feel like I, I don't know maybe it's because I've I have the, a critic's ear now and I'm looking for more nuance that I've moved past a lot of that stuff but it just frustrates me that the mass market stuff is still the stuff that's just not as good yeah and I mean technically good like intricate and you know I'm not dissing on designer all I want. The dude's got a hit record and a lot of money, so sure. more more power to him. But right. like, it just frustrates me as a fan of music, a passionate fan of music, that stuff like that just exists, and that the stuff I think is really good doesn't have the same visibility. Yeah. I mean, that said, now you can have a kind of niche market that you could have never had ten years ago mm-hmm. because of the internet. Yes. You know, and, you know, like the stuff that you have on your band camp couldn't have existed 10 years ago. Right. And now you can, you could record a song today and then put it on your band camp tomorrow. And there it is. People could pay a dollar for it. Yeah. You know, which I think is really cool. You know, and it also, I find it interesting that I feel like you can kind of directly interact with the artist more easily, like mm-hmm. through band camp and through. I mean, iTunes, not so much, I guess. But, like, yeah. you can kind of just more or less send your money directly to them. I mean, I'm sure Bandcamp gets a cut of whatever you sell. But it, it feels more personal yeah. than, like, iTunes and the other stuff, you know? Yeah. I mean, it it's, it's a double-edged sword because 
you know, with the rise of technology, more people are making music. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't feel like there's any less good music now than there was 20, there's... 40 years ago. I just think there's more of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's all about, for some reason, for some reason, designers just got that, that sound, man, that poppy so, sound yeah. that people like, you yeah. know. And, uh, We'll never understand it. <laughs> no, no, never in a million years. Um, there's there's some people out there who love that song. But also, I mean, um, it's the same with movies, I feel like. There's stuff that comes out that I don't know why anyone would go see it, and yeah. yet people are going to see it. And it's like, like I don't want to hate on like the uh, romantic comedies, because some of them are still good. But like there was a period like five years ago where like every movie directed at women had to be a romantic comedy. It sure. couldn't be anything no, else. No, they couldn't have a why, serious film. Why no, would they why not. would they like anything right. that's not about right, right, like right. love? Right. And that just drove me bonkers. Yeah. It's like, you know, you know, just the same way like all the fights that have come out over Mad Max, which I still haven't watched. I have it on Blu-ray. Oh my god. I know, I'm a well, terrible I, person. I'm going to leave and you're going to stick it in and watch <laughs> uh, it. Um I bought it for my wife for Valentine's Day and we haven't had like 2 minutes to rub together to sit down and watch it. Oh, it's so good. But um but like all the stuff about it, you know, people getting mad that it's a feminist movie and like all this stuff and it's just like why why get mad about that? I don't understand. Do you like the movie? Yes. Okay, then who cares what other people take out of right, it? Right, right. As long as you get what you want out of it, like... Yeah. So what if it's it's standing up for women, it's from a female perspective, it's feminist, all these things. Great. If you're, if it's those things to you, fine. But if it's not, then just enjoy it for what it is. You don't yeah. have to argue against it. Right. It's like the people crushing the new Ghostbusters, which I'll admit, for many reasons, doesn't look great. Yeah. But their, mo- their biggest reason is because it's all women. It's, it's, what's, what does that mean? That doesn't yeah. mean anything. Yeah. Like, they're all very funny comedians who I've seen in other movies who are genuinely funny. Yeah. So, you know, I think the problem with that movie is it's going to try too hard to just be Ghostbusters, what everyone thinks Ghostbusters is. I think that's the problem. Yeah. But, like, everywhere I look on the internet, like, Schaefer's a big proponent of raging against this. Oh, absolutely. But, like, yeah. You know, I'll see Schaefer share another trailer for the, the the for the movie, and then like the first comment from one of his fans is, "Oh well, it's gonna suck because there's ladies in it." It's like, yeah. how is that? Like, it's it's weird. I I don't know how this whole debate even. It, it, it's it's one of those things that just I can't imagine how something like this actually happened. Right. It's a movie for yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. You it's know, not real. It's not real. It's supposed to entertain you. It's yeah. supposed to be funny. Yeah. Paul Feig is a sound director. Like, oh, I'm yeah. sure it'll be fine. Like I just, but I don't, I don't know why it's blown the internet into pieces. It just doesn't make sense. It's yeah. like people. Like I had this chat with Michael Kill a couple weeks ago, or many weeks ago at this point, about how the internet has never been better and worse at the same time. Yeah, it's like. People are so, so selfish. The anonymity that the internet gives you, the things people think they can get away with saying is mind-boggling. Yeah. Like the Gamergate thing and people, like, rape threats on Twitter. Are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. Like, I just, I don't, I guess because I'm a sound and intelligent human, it doesn't make sense <laughs> to me. Yeah. But it's one of those things that it just, it aggravates me that people take to that level. And, and I think it's a lot of it is because they feel like it's the internet, so it's not real. Well, I'm threatening rape, but it's not real because I'm only saying it. Yeah. It's still a real threat. That's what a threat is. It's still fucking terrible. Yeah. It's know? still not a good thing to say. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Oh, God. It's just... Anyway, we've gone off on a bizarre and strange <laughs> tangent. But, um, so, yeah. so let's bring it back around to music a little bit. Sure. Um, you, you were telling me off the air a little bit that you're working... You, you've kind of... 
um, not stopped making rap, but it's kind of on the side now, and you're working on other music projects. So what other kind of music-related stuff are you working on besides hip-hop? Yeah, so I've always been a huge fan of electronic music. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've, there's there's hints of it in my, in my hip-hop mm-hmm. songs, and, you know, I've always kind of wanted to make a dance record, and I'm going to nice. make a dance record. That's so awesome. I've got about five songs right now. Uh, I'm aiming for maybe six or eight. Nice even number. Nice. Um, and are you looking to just do instrumental dance music? It's instrumental, but I, I'm i probably, once I finish the instrumental process, I'm mm-hmm. gonna, my plan is to sort of go back, fill in some holes, see if maybe there's some places where some vocal samples could work mm-hmm. or uh, get a singer-songwriter friend to just like lay something down that I can manipulate over the track. Um and it really is, like, I'm not trying to show the world how great of an electronic musician I can be. <laughs> it really is, in a lot of ways, it feels like an homage for me because I've always loved this type of music. Sure. And um, and I'll admit, like, it's, it's easily accessible to people now. Sure. You yeah. know, through MIDI controllers and, and the, the things that they've done yeah. to make electronic music accessible to people is yeah. incredible. Yeah, totally. Um, and so here I am on the air admitting that there is not a lot of actual analog or physical instrumentation in the stuff I'm doing right now. Right. But I'm hoping that regardless, the sound is fun, Yeah. that people enjoy it, that people can dance to it. Cool. Um, Do you have a projected timeline for this? Not really. Okay. I've been sort of doing it um, at my own pace. Okay. I uh, yeah, it's kind of been a crazy year for me, and so um, I've just been trying to take things sort of slowly. Sure, I hear that. Um, and do it when I can, but I have been a lot more involved in it recently. Oh, good. Um, I just I just finished reading um, Moby's memoir porcelain oh, i haven't read it yet i want to. and it's very good oh i'm sure i like, mean he's it's... one of those artists that i've always known and respected and like i like i know his hits yeah. you know i love i know his big singles but i don't know a lot of his other music and i recently went through a lot of it like just to listen to it i was in like i wanted to discover some of it the stuff is incredible yeah, it's, it's really unbelievable good. it's really good there's a lot there that yeah. people don't know about sure you know and him talking about like playing raves in 1991 <laughs> sure. and, you know because it's about like his his years in new york from 89 to 99 oh, which wow. is like right before he put out play sure so it's all the stuff that nobody knows about right you know um and so you know i had been working on this stuff before i read that but then i read this book and i was like i gotta really just start you know putting this stuff out because it it's just a really inspiring book. And I related a lot to sort of his struggle as a musician, as a person. Sure. Um, there was so much there. Uh, so I don't know when it's going to come out, you know, but I, I, I want to do it sooner rather, rather than, than later. later. And I'm... Are you releasing it under the name Hops? I think so. Cool. I mean, there's I no reason not you know, to. I yeah. mean, why can't you do multiple things? Right. Like, there's no nothing saying you can't. Right, exactly. And, you know, if people are going to hate on you, like, oh, this isn't rap, you go, well, all right, then don't listen to it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, think, so that's cool. That's I think that's really great. And I, I'm always interested when artists branch outside of stuff. Like, like I know... Schaefer is really into punk and metal and like he's talked about wanting to be a drummer in a band again and stuff. Yeah, and, like, yeah, and yeah. so like I think that's kind of cool when you, you learn about somebody through one genre and then you find out that they're into all this other stuff. Oh, sure. 
And sure. it, it shows a. I mean, for sure, I can tell based on some of some of your songs. Like they have a dancey beat. Yeah. Like, you know, like one of my favorite songs uh, is the one where you sample you too. Oh yeah. Because like I first of all I love She Moves in Mysterious Ways. Yeah, and it's yeah, just yeah. the way you sample it, it's got this great kind of funky kind of dance yeah, beat to yeah, it. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. You know, about fourteen years ago I put out like a seven song EP that was all like dance music. Oh, and yeah. I thought it was dance music uh-huh. and I at the time I called myself Dicky Fashion and I thought about <laughs> like bringing that back. Right. But um so it's always something that I've been tossing around right. and want to want to do, but now I'm actually you know doing it. So you know it's cool. and I'm gonna do it live and, and oh awesome yeah I'm gonna do a CD release and just do the record from front to back and nice. maybe have some DJs and stuff like that. Please so, let me know when you yeah, do that. Yeah, I want to be involved and please come back. We would love to have you on the other show again. Bring another album totally. And promote yeah, I'll, the I'll new dig album. Something up. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you will. <laughs> It's funny. I found the, the the indie rappers in particular, which I happen to know quite a few, so it's no coincidence. Yeah. Bring the most interesting music on on the podcast. It, it shows their on the other podcast. It, it shows their dynamic. You know, it shows that they're more than just hip hop, and yeah. and I think that's fascinating because it's hard to know what artists are into unless you kind of get in their head a bit. Sure. You know, which is a thing that you couldn't really do even like ten or fifteen years ago unless they wrote a book. Because right. people, were, everyone wasn't on the internet, you know, and everyone wasn't re- releasing memoirs. And so, yeah. like, podcasting, not to toot my own horn, but it's a thing, like, that I love as a medium because you can learn about people and learn things that you might have never learned anywhere else. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the access we get to people is is incredible, you yeah. know, through podcasts. It, it's great and also terrible because I'm sure, like, <laughs> some people want their privacy and don't want everyone harassing them on Twitter. But, right, you know, right. That kind of but, thing. you know, it's their choice to, to go public and say those things, you know. That's also so. true. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but, 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 Hops, I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Dude, I'm absolutely. excited about this dance record. Yeah. Um, before you go, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, people can find me on the internet at... You know, I got I, my music site is kind of like defunct right now. Oh, is it really? So, yeah, because uh, I don't have anything new. So gotcha. I was like, I'm gonna you're yeah. gonna put that. Yeah, to I'm gonna put that to the side. But you can follow me on Twitter at the Jocelyn Chris. Okay. And uh, yeah, that's probably that's the probably best, best place. Best place to find me. Um, but yeah, man, I had a blast. Thanks Great. for having Thank me you. in. Yeah. The last thing I'll ask is if you could do our sign off, which is music is life and life is good. Music is life, and life is good. If you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, music is life, and life is good.